Hello, and welcome to the course. I'm Stephen, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Professor Weiwei Li from the School of Medicine. Dr. Li has a master's in public health from Harvard University, a medical degree from New York Medical College, and is an assistant professor of medicine at UChicago, as well as assistant dean of students and the director of wellness programs. She's also a junior faculty scholar of the Buxbaum Institute for Clinical Excellence and a fellow of the Academy of Distinguished Medical Educators. She's here to talk to us today about her career path and how she became a University of Chicago professor. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? I'm really well. Thank you for having me today, Stephen. You're welcome. I'm glad to hear that. Um, so, you know, we we really want to hear your story and, and how you got to this point. But uh, first, let's uh, let's hear a little bit about the where you are right now. So um, could you tell us, please, what your role is at UChicago and uh, just a, a little bit about, you know, what that actually entails, what, what that job title actually means? Of course. So I um, am a physician. I'm a, a primary care doctor, and I work here in Chicago at the University's Medical Center. So we're located here in the south side of Chicago. So I am a clinician, so I see patients in the primary care clinic. Um, but I also work in the medical school as uh, an associate dean in student affairs. So I work with our medical students and uh, work on career advising, helping them with their residency applications. And that's the training that um, students move on to after school as they train to be physicians and work on, um, you know, mentorship research um, and work related to that. Certainly we'll get more into what you've been up to recently. But uh, for now, I want to go way back to um, when you were a kid, really, like middle school or or high school years. What were you interested in at that point? And, uh, you know, what did you think you would end up doing? And and did it bear any resemblance to what you do now? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I am a a child of immigrants. um, And actually, I was born in Taiwan and immigrated to the United States when I was quite young, and I am from a, a Chinese background, and my so typical sort of Chinese immigrant parents, they implanted in me quite young that they, you know, really thought it'd be wonderful if I became a doctor or a lawyer, and they seemed to hone in on the doctor piece. So I certainly had that in the back of my mind as I was growing up and thinking about what it would mean to be a physician. Um, in my career. But I would say, you know, as I went through middle middle school and particularly, um, you know, in college as well, I found that I really enjoyed thinking about a career in perhaps education. So working in teaching in some way and um, had started to explore uh, a career in medicine, what it, what it would mean to be a doctor, what kind of doctor I might want to be interested, you know, I would be interested in exploring. And so those, those interested really come together. And I certainly, you know, I had, was exposed to science when I was growing up. I went to a, a high school that was focused on science, and that was um, a really nice background to have to think about future careers as well. Okay, so it definitely sounds like things were trending in the the direction of, of med school. Um, could you uh, just lay out for us, though, you know, what your path was? Um, undergrad and and then uh, medical school. And I don't know if you did anything between that, but um, what you did for those years and then um, how you found your way to UChicago. Absolutely. So for college, um, so I grew up in the New York City area um, and, and went to you know pretty large New York City public high school. And for college, I wanted a, a different experience. I chose to go to a small liberal arts college um, that was you know, outside of Boston at Wellesley. And it was a, a woman's college. And it was such a 
wonderful experience. You know, it's a small class sizes, really being able to connect with the community there of students and um, faculty members having that sort of liberal arts sort of broad perspective was really incredible as well. Um, And so I studied psychobiology, um, which is a major, I think that no longer exists, but (laughs) it was an equivalent to neuroscience, basically. So you were taking classes um, both in the psychology department as well as um, within biology, and they're really focused on, on neuroscience in particular. Throughout college, I, you know, I did not, I didn't have a chance to go abroad. And so I um, knew that I wanted to have some sort of international experience. And what I ended up doing was um, I did apply when I was a senior in college to medical school. And um, through the application process, um, I was admitted to um, NYU after medical school. And I decided at that point to actually defer my um, admission for a year and applied also at that time for a fellowship that um, Wellesley College had for its graduates called the the Wellesley Yanqing Fellowship. And it was a teaching fellowship. So allowed me to actually um, work in Hong Kong for a year um, at Chinese University um, in Shatin in Hong Kong and do teaching within the neuroscience department there. And then that was actually around the time of 9-11 in the um, United States. And so, you know, after sort of the fallout and, you know, thinking about um, New York City in, in the aftermath of 9-11, that was when I was supposed to head back to medical school. And mm-hmm. I actually decided at that point that I wanted to take an additional year and do some further work in Hong Kong. So I, I extended my leave for two years. So I deferred um, starting medical school for two years and then came back to NYU to do my medical school training. And between my third and fourth year of medical school, I actually um, I took a, a gap year to do a, a master's in public health at the Harvard School of Public Health and uh, focus on global health and international health works there. And I went back for residency training at uh, New York Presbyterian Hospital, which is um, Cornell, so located on the Upper East Side of New York City. And did a primary care residency there. So an internal medicine focused on um, primary care. From there, um, I had actually applied to a scholarship when I was in medical school through the government. It was called the National Health Service Corps Scholarship, where they helped pay for medical school. And I committed to working in an underserved community in the United States in a primary care field. And so when I finished residency, that's what brought me to University of Chicago, which is where where I am now um, as a primary care physician. All right. So, yeah, you know, one thing that I was going to ask a little bit later um, was about your international experiences and and how they may have affected the course of your career or, or just the way that you approach things, um, particularly since, uh, you know, this this show um, is brought to you by the, the Francis and Rose UN campus in Hong Kong and you were in Hong Kong. Um, yeah, I'd be very curious to hear about, like, you know, how do you think that time affected you um, as a doctor and, you know, just it, it, sort of how did it affect your career in general? Oh, I thought it was an incredibly impactful time. I think for me, as someone who had just graduated from college, you know, to be abroad was, you know, incredibly exciting, but also to be, you know, in an academic environment. And one of my interests, career interests had always been a, you know, a little bit centered on education as well. So to be able to work in higher education at Chinese University was incredible. And there was, um, you know, a community of other recent college graduates there through the Yale China program who were also teaching at the university there. So there was a kind of community of like-minded people with similar experiences. And we kind of navigated this 
you know, post-college kind of sort of young adult transition together. And it was incredibly exciting to um, work with the students there, but also to have a chance to be exposed to, you know, different cultures, to be able to travel, to be able to have an income, you know, after college was was yeah. lovely. And so, you know, and also gave me a lot of incredible practical, I think, working experience to, you know, it was certainly um, challenging in some ways to have just graduated from college and then be expected to teach, you know, some neuro- neuroscience and neurology related <laughs> content, you know, right immediately, um, you know, following graduation. And so uh, I was an incredible kind of growth and learning opportunity there as well. I also wanted to ask about uh, your master's. What compelled you to, um, to you know, maybe change directions slightly um, and do the master's um, as you were also working towards becoming a doctor? And, and you know, again, like, how, how do you think that impacted your career? Yeah, I do think that that actually has a lot of um, tie-ins with my experiences, uh, you know, working as a teaching fellow at Chinese University. And again, really having had the chance at that point to also explore some community um, health projects that were going on in China. So through some of my contacts in Hong Kong, I was able to do some volunteer and service work in in Yunnan in sort of Southwest China. And I was in the city of Sichuanbana and there was a focus and an effort at that point to do um, a lot of HIV education because that part of, of China um, had a, you know, higher rates of IV drug use and higher prevalence of HIV. And so there were some intensive community-based efforts to um, to address, you know, education and public health around, around HIV. And so I was able to work with a local nonprofit and, and do a lot of um, trainings within smaller um, communities. And there are a lot of ethnic minorities in that part of the country as well. And so being able to really think about how to make some of this uh, health and information really accessible was really meaningful. And so I I took a lot from that experience and colored a little bit of what I thought I wanted to do in my future. And so, you know, medical school, coming back to the U.S. for medical school, I think in many ways was another big transition and sort of going from, you know, two years of, of working and doing, you know, a lot of service-based work and, you know, more hands-on type of life experiences going back to the classroom was a little bit challenging, I would say. Just in that, you know, medical school, there's a lot of information to learn in a short period of time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And certainly, you know, usually the way medical school is structured in the United States is that, um, you know, you have two years of preclinical curriculum where it's a lot of classroom learning. And then typically your third or fourth year, you know, when I was going through medical school would be in the hospital, in the clinics, doing a lot of clinical rotation. And so, you know, it was a really big push to, you know, get through the preclinical years. And then when you are rotating in the hospital and um, starting to see patients on that end, it's also, you know, a pretty intense schedule depending on what um, rotation you're doing. So surgery or internal medicine or OBGYN. And so, you know, by the end of third year, I honestly felt really really tired and burnt out. And I felt like I needed to take a little break to refocus on what I wanted to do in my life and career. And I knew I was going to do primary care already because I'd already signed up for that National Health Service Corps scholarship. But I was also becoming increasingly interested in perhaps integrating more public health work. And so I was able to apply, um, you know, to public health school um, and, you know, explore more of that concentration on international health and to give myself some time away from the intensity of the medical school curriculum to refocus on some of my goals. What were those goals? Um, And is that reflected in where you are now? Like, where did you see yourself going at that point? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. You know, so I would say one of the reasons I was really um, committed and, you know, 
interested in a career in primary care is, you know, I mentioned my family is um, from Taiwan and I was born there. When we came to the United States, I was probably about five years old and my parents were immigrants, you know, obviously. And, you know, in Taiwan, my my mom and dad had gone to college and my mom was working in in business. My dad was an architect. But when they came to the United States, they really had to um, restart. And we were undocumented for for many years when I was a, um, a child. And so, you know, we didn't have access necessarily to um, you know, routine health care and the idea of primary care as a place where, you know, as a physician, you can really impact people's lives and trajectories and the importance of having primary care. You know, a physician who's there to, you know, help your, you know, your family and also individuals really think about their health more holistically to navigate, you know, a challenging healthcare system. And, you know, the U.S. healthcare system is incredibly, incredibly tough, you know to sort of make heads and tails of. And so to be that type of advocate to work with underserved patients was always something that was really important to me. And so, you know, those were some of my initial thoughts about what I wanted to do. And then the global health piece, I think, really helped me put into perspective this idea of working with underserved, but also on a larger scale, you know, so I was fully aware that as a physician, you have um, the ability to impact many individual lives, you know, um, with your mm-hmm. patients. And for me, also, I, I sort of knew I wanted to do something in medical education down the road. So to be teaching, you know, on, on some level. But again, you know, that's sort of, sort of more of an individual impact. And what I saw as sort of an, an interesting draw with public health is that there's sort of the potential to think about, you know, health policy, but also to really be thinking about population health and how, you know, healthcare decisions can impact um, not just individuals, but you know, entire groups of people. And, you know, as, as we've all seen through the COVID pandemic, public health has lots of different intersections with how medicine is practiced and, you know, has the ability, you know, to, I think, impact lives in different ways. Yeah, something that people are probably thinking about much more uh, in the last couple of years than they had before. One thing that I wanted to ask is who were some of the major figures in this story besides yourself? I mean, I know that you said your parents, um, you know, encouraged you to look in the direction of medicine. Um, Were there other like very important mentors or just, you know, people who were there to support you or or give you advice uh, as you sort of charted your path? Yeah, I think I was very fortunate. You know, I think as a first, you know, generation college student in the U.S., you know, navigating that system, um, I don't think, you know, my family had a lot of input on, you know, how to apply to medical school or, you know, how to how to be a successful candidate. And so I I definitely leaned heavily on my um, advisors and, and deans in college, and they were incredibly helpful in thinking about ways to do and be really centered and focused on what was important to me around service, around um, working with underserved communities. So I started working with a clinic in um, Boston's Chinatown that served Chinese immigrant patients. Um, I started volunteering at at Tufts when I was a junior or sophomore in college to you know work with the pathology department and do some research there. And so I think there was a lot of encouragement to kind of explore um, and, you know, try and find mentors who were doing the type of work that was meaningful to me. And I think that was, you know, really, really powerful. Well, uh, so could you describe a little bit, you know, what you do now? And uh, I'm really curious, like how how much, you know, practicing you're doing, like, are, are you seeing a lot of patients or are, are you mostly doing administrative stuff? Are you still teaching on a regular basis? Like, what are your what do your days look like? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So I think um, academic medicine is really for people who like to do a lot of different types of things in their day-to-day and in their careers. Um, And so, you know, I have found that really invigorating and something that helps me, you know, continue to explore different connections and areas of interest. And so what that means for me, though, is that I do still see patients in, in, you know, the clinic. Um, I see patients about, you know, one full day, one, one and a half full days a week. And one of those clinic sessions, I actually work with our residents who are internal medicine residents and training in the residency program and oversee them in their primary care clinic. I also um, see patients who are hospitalized. So the way that we have it um, function is that um, all of our primary care internal medicine doctors also rotate for two weeks at a time to take care of patients who are admitted to the hospital. And so I see hospitalized patients about um, one month a year. And then the rest of my time, it's really divided between um, my work in the student affairs office, so administrative work um, with the medical students. I serve as a career advisor um, to a subgroup of our students here, so navigate them from the time that they start medical school to when they graduate and enter their residency programs and career advising and really thinking about um, their goals and, and, and what their applications and futures might look like in um, different medical specialties. I also have a chance to direct our students free clinic experiences, which is really meaningful. We have a a number of free clinics that our students um, run for different patient populations in the Chicago area. And I also direct the um, student well-being program here at our medical school. So that's about, you know, another 30, 40% of my time. And then the rest of my time is is spent on research as well. So when you're in academics, there's an expectation to have an area of um, research focus. And this, you know, helps you with promotion and with, um, you know, putting together research questions that are meaningful in, in your particular area, but also allows you to, um, you know, do some some studies. And for me, you know, my focus is medical education. And so what that means for me on the research front is developing different curricula or educational programs, and then studying the impact on, um, you know, students or patients, you know, related to that curriculum. So, for example, I I study a lot of interventions and design a lot of interventions on how technology impacts patient-doctor communication. And so, you know, we've done um, research studies interviewing our patients about their interactions with their physicians when the doctors are using electronic health records and computers. We've done a lot on telehealth since the pandemic. And I also do research on medical students and burnout and um, mental health concerns and how we can improve well-being for our um, students and residents and faculty. So those are sort of the research areas as well. Okay, so that's quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A lot to juggle. Um, I'm curious, like, what are your sort of favorite and least favorite parts of of this job, or I guess really of these jobs? I mean, like, what do you find really rewarding about it? And uh, also, you know, if if you can be candid, like, what what are some things that uh, if if you didn't have to do, you might not want to about this role? Oh, that's, yeah, a really good question. So I really value being a primary care doctor because I get to know my patients over a long period of time. And not just my patients, but their families and their loved ones who are involved in their care. It really allows me to understand, you know, how they as an individual define, you know, their health and what's important to them, what values really drive their decisions around health care. And that that longitudinal relationship is really, really wonderful. And I've been here in my role at University of Chicago for about 12 years now. So it's, you know, just been an incredible opportunity um, over time to really see those relationships develop and deepen. You're walking with someone along that journey of 
you know, highs and lows in their life as sort of health impacts their experiences. And that's just an incredible privilege. And I really get to, you know, I think fulfill some of my interest in thinking about working with underserved um, patients. And, you know, I had, I I still do have an interest in, in global health, but there's a lot of corollaries between working with underserved patients you know, in the U.S. here in the south side of Chicago and um, resource limited global health settings, right? I think there's so many Mm -hmm. parallels in thinking about community engagement and really thinking about, you know, helping patients navigate, you know, access to chronic disease management, like making sure that, you know, we're thinking about disparities in care and how systemic structures really impact that. And I'm really fortunate here at the University of Chicago campus that many of my colleagues are, you know, also really dedicated to thinking about health disparities and health equity and how we can better serve, you know, the community here um, in our immediate environment in the South Side. And, you know, the other really meaningful part of my job is working with the students. I mean, I I just think that the future of medicine is so bright. The the medical students are just incredible, blow me away with, you know, fresh eyes on, you know, the system as it is, you know, medical education or healthcare system. And our students are real advocates for change about how we can make things better and, you know, have really allowed me to think about, you know, how we can better uh, support our students, but also making sure that we're keeping abreast with all the important things that are happening in our world around us, you know, um, thinking about health equity and social justice and thinking about this coronavirus pandemic and thinking about, you know, so many of the, the pertinent issues that are of our time and critical to our time. So those individual relationships with students, that mentorship, that advising, and then getting to work with them on, you know, thinking about medical education, where we are now, where we want to go has been really meaningful. So, uh, one thing that uh, we're curious about is, you know, are there directions that you can see yourself going in that are maybe different um, or maybe build on what you're doing now? I mean, are, are there other research topics or just areas of interest or, or other work that you, you know, would be interested in doing um, that you're think you might be looking to do down the road? Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned that I do some work right now on the well-being of physicians and trainees. And so, you know, the literature that's been published the studies that have been done over the past 10 or 15 years or so um, do really show that there's a high rate of burnout amongst physicians and students and residents and also just, you know, high rates of mental health distress or so depression, anxiety, um, other concerns. And so I think there's a real momentum in medicine and academic medicine to address those concerns really systematically. So again, my role as the director of well-being for medical students did not exist when I went to medical school, um, you know, many years ago, but most medical schools, you know, now actually are, you know, taking a focus on the well-being of our students and really thinking about um, how we can create medical education systems and learning environments that support, you know, the growth and have, you know, have have reasonable expectations for, you know, the, the workload um, and other stressors um, in students' lives. And we're seeing that become more and more prominent in sort of resident education, as well as, you know, the lives of faculty and practicing physicians. So I think there's a lot of growth that can happen. And how can we impact the well-being of our community of physicians and learners? Because there's also research that shows that when your doctor is burned out, um, the quality of care that patients receive is lower. And there's more medical errors. There's physicians who leave the profession because they are really burnt out and don't feel like they you know want to operate in a system that's not supporting 
on them. And so I think that that's impactful. And then, you know, I, I also think about whether or not there's more opportunities for me to work down the line and thinking about other um, international health work. That's certainly something that was really, uh, I was really passionate about, you know, throughout my training. And, you know, I have a chance currently, you know, still still able to work on international health on a medical education level with a partnership that University of Chicago has with um, Wuhan University in China. Um, I think we're all aware of Wuhan now. Um <laughs> But, you know, UFC has had a partnership with the medical school there for about seven or 10 years now. And we've had the opportunity to do a lot of exchanges and curriculum reform um, in the Chinese um, medical, you know, healthcare and education system there. And so that's also been really um, meaningful as well. Cool. Uh, well, yeah, my last question is uh, just, you know, for someone who was considering entering your field, and uh, I guess I should really say fields, but, but you know, <laughs> Um, someone who's interesting in, interested in doing um, any or all of the the different types of work that you do in your role. Um, what advice do you think it would be important to share with them? Yeah, so you know, I would say that you know, if you're interested in a career in medicine um, and specifically in academic medicine, I think part of it is really understanding why you're going into into that profession. You know, so for me. That why was really around working with underserved patients, really understanding that primary care was something that was important to me. And you don't need to know exactly what, you, what you're going to go into, you know, from day one, but some ideas of what it is that you find fulfilling and meaningful, you know, in the type of work that you envision yourself doing as a physician, because I think there's many ups and downs in any professional career. And, you know, throughout medical school and residency, there were certainly periods where I felt really burnt out and felt really just exhausted, you know, um, um, and being able to kind of reconnect with that why and, you know, letting go of the idea of perfectionism. I think many of us are guilty of holding incredibly high standards for ourselves and just recognizing that, you know, failing and falling short is really part of the journey and path to any career, but certainly in medicine, being able to, you know, have that perspective for yourself and that you're there to learn and grow and to find the support and mentorship and advising that you need in, you know, the faculty you'll be working with and your advisors and also um, find that community of friends and peers who will support you along the way. I think that's all incredibly important. All right. Well, uh, that's, I think, a, a lovely note to end on. So, uh, Professor, thank you so much for, for coming and, uh, you know, taking me through this story and uh, explaining a little bit about what you do. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Professor Lee, for your time today. And course takers, if you enjoyed listening to today's interviews, please check out the others. You can find out more about the University of Chicago through uchicago.edu or the university's campus in Hong Kong through uchicago.hk. See you around.